Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message.
right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited about sharing God's word with you. I have good news right to beginning here. Um, this is a, a three-hour message. That's that's the bad news. But the the good news is God has helped me to to make it shorter. It's only two and a half hours now. So, <laughs> so uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit and you, uh, I trust that it'll it'll get even shorter. But uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it all goes. Well, anyway, this this message kind of goes with some of the things that God's been doing uh, in, in our church in, in recent months. Messages about revival, the Koreans coming, um, you know, Peter and Irene coming from England, talking about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it, it hit me as I was preparing and praying about where we where are we at, you know? This is kind of a standalone message, but on the other hand, God wants us to be in a certain flow of His Spirit, a certain flow of what, what's He doing, where are we at? And, and I realize that pretty much every illustration in Scripture of revival, renewal, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit has to do with this one word, crushing. Now, you don't see that word in the Bible exactly, but, but let, me, let me explain with, my, with, with the help of my props here. So, if I gave you, if I handed you this and I said, here is a bottle of wine. I was going to have my precious granddaughter, who's three years old, uh, participate in this part. And Molly said, nah, she's too young, Dad. You can't do that. But I was going to hand her this and say, here is a bottle of wine. And she was going to say, no, it isn't. I'll just have you say it. Can you say that? No, it is. No, it isn't. But you see, it is, it just needs crushed, and it needs processed. How about that? And, you know, the fact of the matter is, I could say to you, you look exactly like Jesus. I could say that to Bill, he pretty much does, but, but I, I could say that to, to all of you, you look exactly like Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, you look in the mirror and say, well, I really, huh, you know, I don't feel like Jesus today, you know, too much. But the thing is, when, when he appears, we're going to be like him. But before that happens, we need to be crushed and processed. Now, how many of you know the process isn't always fun? You know, I don't like, do you like to be crushed? I mean, it, it, it's a rough thing. But if I told you this was a bottle of wine and my grandpa, he is from Italy like David, and he made his own grapes, grew his own grapes. He made it into wine every summer at the end of the season. But it took crushing and it took processing. Isn't that something? I just couldn't help but put this in there. You recognize that? That's a famous scene from I Love Lucy. And Lu Lucy was in Italy and she was trampling the grapes and she had a blast. Now, it's great, it's a blast to crush the grapes, but it's not so much a blast if you are the grapes. <laughs> and so, so part of the process is that you will be crushed, but hey, I have good news. After the crushing comes Pentecost. After the crushing can come revival. After the crushing, you're going to look more like Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that good to know? So that's the first thing. Grapes, in order to form wine, they have to be crushed. And, and what if I told you this? I said, here is, a, here is a bottle of olive oil. 
And you, you look at it and you say, Jim, uh, it, it looks like a bunch of olives, but I don't see the olive oil. It just needs crushed and processed. And so, isn't that something? And, and what a beautiful picture. Olive oil is it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the anointing. How many of you want more of the anointing, more of the power of God, more of the Holy Spirit's work in your life? Well, hey, we should all say yes to that. But hey, it might take some crushing. It might take some processing. Well, finally, what if I handed you this bouquet of roses and I said, this is a jar of fragrant perfume. You'd say, it looks like a bouquet of roses to me. <laughs> but, but the reality is to create perfume in the old days. I don't know what they put in perfume these days. You know, there's a whole long list. Of, yeah. But in the old days, perfume was a matter of flowers and it was a matter of spices being crushed. And I love this story, Jesus loved this story, of where the woman came shortly before his death and broke an alabaster jar of, of amazing perfume and poured it all over him. And for years, I've loved that story because it shows the breaking, the crushing necessary to release the perfume. But I never really thought, you know, there's two crushings in that story. There's two things. Yeah, the jar had to be crushed, but the contents had been created from crushing. And, you know, there's a little bit of fragrance here. I couldn't just pass it around. You could all smell the, the roses, you know. But the reality is the, the real fragrance is not released until the petals are taken off and crushed. So, we're going to talk about a guy in the Bible who got crushed. And we're going to mostly going to look in John chapter 21, and it starts with a funny phrase. It says, after this. Sometimes you read the Bible and you don't ever ask the questions. After what? That's how the chapter starts, after this. Well, you have to look back at what the this is. And in, in the case of this situation, the, this is Simon Peter's life. And he had just been a fisherman, had a good life, had a good career. I mean, there were good days and bad days, but, but he had a pretty good life. He was an entrepreneur. He owned his own boat, owned his own nets, his own equipment. Things were going pretty good. And then one day, they caught nothing. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, go into deeper water and you'll get a bunch of fish. And it happened. And then Jesus says something strange. He says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And I don't know, I don't know how much uh, he thought about it or prayed about it, but he said, wow, anybody that can cause this to happen is a way better fisherman than me. I'm going to follow him, you know? And for three and a half years, he saw miracle after miracle. He saw sick bodies healed. He saw demons cast out. He could walk on water one day. He saw five loaves and two fish feed thousands of people. It was an amazing life. It was an amazing life. And then it all fell apart. Jesus got arrested, beaten, crucified, put in a tomb. 
And Jesus had told Peter it was all going to happen. He, he, he said, hey, I'm going to get arrested, and they're going to kill me. On the third day, I'll rise again. Guess what Peter said to that? Anybody remember what he said to that? He said, I'll never let that happen to you. <laughs> and what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> In other words, Peter, he thought he knew better than Jesus. And so whether we realize it or not, he needed some crushing. He needed some breaking after this. Well, let me give you a verse before we get into John chapter 21. I love this. This is an incredible verse. This is a, a story of your life, story of my life. Luke chapter 22, 31 to 32. Simon, Simon, look out. Has anybody noticed anything about that? Just right, right from the beginning. Simon, Simon. Jesus himself had said to Simon at the beginning of Simon's ministry, he said, you know what? I'm going to call you Peter, a rock. You're not going to be Simon anymore. You're going to be Peter the rock. <laughs> and here we are, shortly before the crucifixion and resurrection, and he's not calling him Peter. <laughs> you know, if, if you that are parents, you probably have certain ways that you address your kids when you're kind of being firm with them, right? And, and like with my kids, uh, Molly, uh, my daughter Molly, put your hand up, Molly. When I, when I was just on regular terms with her, I'd call her Molly. When I was ticked off at her, I'd say, Molly Marie. I'd use her middle, na middle name. I had a way to do it. And here, my son Ben's here. Raise your hand, Ben. And, and when, when I was just on normal terms with Ben, I'd say Ben. But when I was ticked off at him, I'd say, Benjamin. That's, that's how I'd say that. Well, Jesus had a way of addressing Peter. And, and in this case, he doesn't even call him Peter. He calls him Simon. It's kind of a return, a flashback kind of a thing. Isn't that something? He says, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. I could say crush you like wheat, but it's like that. But how many of you are glad for the buts? You know, uh, Peter Butt was here last weekend, and he talked about that. There, we have to be happy about the buts in the Bible. You know what I mean? You're going to get sifted. Devil's going to attack you. You're, you're going to be uh, crushed. But <laughs> that's not the end of the story. How many of you know that the trials you're in right now are not the end of the story? That's good to know. That's really good to know. But I pray for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. This summarizes a whole lot of stuff. First of all, Jesus knew what Peter needed. You say, he needed crushed? Yeah, because he's the guy that thought he knew better than Jesus. He's the guy, remember, there's the transfiguration, and Jesus is dazzling, and there's Moses and Elijah. Peter had a great idea. He said, wow, it's really good that we're here. We'll build booths. We'll build a booth for you and one for Moses and Elijah. Sheesh, you know, great idea, huh? <laughs> and then another time, Jesus is talking about how he's going he's gonna to die and, and everybody's going to scatter. He said, no, he said, everybody else might do that. Everybody else might scatter, but not me. Not me. I'm ready to go to jail for you. I'm ready to, to be killed for you. I am ready. And so in one breath, he's claiming that he's better than all the other disciples. And he's also saying, Jesus, you're wrong. You're wrong about the prediction. 
But see, Jesus knew he needed to be crushed. He needed to be broken. He needed to have some of that pride sifted out of his life. But Jesus also knew that he was going to pray for Peter. He also saw the future. He said, you're going to get through this. How about that? I can look at some of you and say, you're going to get through this. Jesus has prayed for you. You're going to get through this. And not only are you going to get through this, but you're going to be able to strengthen your brothers and sisters because he got you through this. We just got done with a a series. I don't know if it's done yet exactly. I think it's going to go on forever. It was the Overcomer series. It's about people that were in the pig pen and in challenging things and dealing with addictions and dealing with marriage stress and relationship stress and, and all kind of stuff. But you know what? Jesus had prayed for those people, got them through it. And now those testimonies were able to strengthen the rest of us by the encouraging word about what God had done. So the good news for you is, well, the bad news first. Yeah, you're going to be tested. You're going to be sifted. You're going to go through some challenging times. You're going to be crushed at times. But the good news is that's not the end of the story. He's going to get you through it. He already knows he's going to get you through it. And when you're through it, you're going to have a powerful testimony for others. How about that? So Jesus already told him. He already lined it up. It's no surprise. Sometimes we think that the things that surprise us, the shocking situations that surprise us are shocking to him. He ain't shocked. He's not. So this chapter starts with after this. And I thought about we all have an after this. What's your story? What's your after this? I wish I had more time to talk about my own story because people look at me and say, oh, you know, you seem to have a pretty easy life. You know, things are pretty good and everything. The fact of the matter is, and those here in my family probably shouldn't hear this, you know, about all the after this is that I've gone through, but they know about it. I've lost some jobs. I've gone through some church splits. My marriage ended after 32 years gone through cancer and chemo. I've had friends betray me. Some abandoned me. Hey, I know a few things about being crushed and broken, but I've also touched a lot of lives because the grapes got turned into wine and the olives got turned into olive oil and the flowers got crushed and turned into perfume. That's that's pretty good news, huh? That 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 is really good news. Well, anyway, it looks like I'm changing the slides all over the place here. Let's see here. Let's go back here. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. <laughs> this is, again, every word is important. The word again is really important here. Why? Because if you go back a chapter, yeah, Peter had gone through a lot of traumatic situations, but twice... Jesus had appeared. The resurrected Jesus had appeared and said, look at my hands in the side. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I send you. He breathed on them and and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Great things that happened. You would think, or you might think, that after twice, two encounters with the resurrected Jesus, Peter would just be doing great. You know, (laughs) you might think, that after coming to MCC a few times and being in the presence of God, everything ought to be going great. You know, after listening to worship music 
a few times, hey, you know, I've, I've had some encounters with Jesus. I should be doing great. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes it takes a while. The process is not instantaneous. The process, yeah, they had a great in, two great encounters with Jesus. But how about this? Third time was charmed. Now that sounds a little new age or something. I don't know. But, but, it, but, but this was the third time. Peter was still dazed and confused after twice encountering the resurrected Jesus. Wow. And you think, by this time, I should be better. You know? Well, why don't you say that to somebody next to you? you know, by this time, it seemed like I ought to be better. You know? <laughs> but the process continues. <laughs> the process continues. And look what happens. You, you, you say, how do you know that, that Peter was dazed and confused? Well, here he is. Jesus has just anointed him and said, as the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. And what's Peter do? Hey, guys, um, let's go fishing. <laughs> let's go fishing. There's nothing wrong. Any of you fishermen? I mean, there's nothing wrong with fishing. But you see, when you're dazed and confused, the tendency is, the temptation is, to just go back to something that you know how to do. And Peter thinks, hey, I don't know what to do now. I mean, he said, we're going to reach the world. We're going to go and we're going to change the nations, everything. That doesn't seem to be happening. I'm kind of confused days. Let's go fishing. How about that? And here's something that should be a warning to all of us. Guess what happens after that? He said, I'm going fishing. And what do they say? We're coming with you. Whatever decisions in life you make, there's somebody watching particularly your kids, your co-workers, your spouse, the people around you, and you make a decision, and, they, and there's always going to be somebody that says, we'll come with you, even if it's a stupid idea. You know, we're going to come with you. We just got done with Father's Day, Mother's Day, everything. You fathers and mothers, what a challenge it is, because they're not going to, the kids are not going to do just what you say. They're going to do what you do. And so if you're out fishing, if you have no idea what God wants you to do, if you're not passionately pursuing God's purpose, well, then others are going to say, well, we'll just be like that too. Help us, God. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. That word, nothing. I mean, if they just would have caught a few little ones, you know, they could say, well, it wasn't a terrible night. We caught a few nothing. Sometimes God brings us to a place of barrenness where there's nothing. Nothing's going on. I have no joy, no peace, no patience, no love. I'm just down to nothing. But as this chapter unfolds, we see that Jesus purposely brought them to places. It's like a flashback reel. Places in their life with him to trigger them. Remember Luke chapter 5? Same thing happened. They worked all night, tried to fish all night. They caught nothing. And Jesus said, go into deeper water and you'll get a whole bunch of fish. And that's what happened. And here he brings them back to the same thing. He triggers them. And you think, that's kind of mean, isn't it? That God would want to trigger us? That he'd bring us back to things? He'd bring us back to traumatic experiences or good experiences? He would trigger us? You see, he triggers us so that he could heal us. 
He brings us back to where we've started sometimes because he knew we needed to be reminded of his goodness and reminded of what he had done in the past. Anyway, he brings them back. He triggers them. And there's a lot of funny stuff in this chapter, if you really read it. Verse 4, when daybreak, when daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. This is incredible. Okay, so daybreak came, right? The sun comes up, and there's Jesus standing on the shore. Think about it a little bit. We got to think about it. He didn't just teleport down as soon as the sun came up. In fact, we see a little bit later, he, he was already there and he cooked him breakfast. And that's a powerful principle. There's a powerful principle there. Even when it's dark, Jesus is there. Can't see him. They couldn't see him. Didn't know he was there. Even when it's dark, he's there. And not only is he there, he was working. He was cooking fish and bringing the bread for breakfast. There's a song that goes with that. I think it's one of Scott's favorite songs, The Waymaker. Even when we can't see it, he's working. He never stops, never stops working. So even when it's dark, you say, I don't see Jesus here. I don't, I don't see him. I don't see what he's doing. It looks pretty dark. Well, just wait till the sun comes up and you'll see he was there all along. He was there all along. He was working all along. He's got it together all along. So in the middle of the stuff, he was there all along. You know, I forgot to tell you a story about, about uh, the job loss things. Let me take, go back to that a second. When, I, when Ben was just five years old, an amazing thing happened. I, I lost a job, got downsized from a job. And Ben comes home on the school bus, five years old, and goes in the living room, and his mom and his sisters are kind of crying and distraught. He says, what's wrong? And one of them said, Dad lost his job. And Ben, in incredible wisdom as a five-year-old, said, "God, da Dad can't lose his job. Jesus is his job. Wow. <laughs> that was like the smartest thing Ben ever has said, you know. <laughs> now, I, I'm sure he said some other great things too. <laughs> but, the, but the point of it is God can prophesy to you even when things are looking bad, even when you're, you, it seems unfair, even when circumstances are not great. Jesus is our job. Wow, what, what a word from God that is. That is amazing. So daybreak came and Jesus was already there. It's incredible. He says, friends, you don't have any fish, do you? And they said, no. One of the things we learned in the Overcomer series is we have to get out of denial. We have to get out of our, hey, everything's going great. Everything's fantastic. And AA and other recovery kind of groups say, you've got to face it. And so Jesus makes them say, we don't have any fish. We have failed. We haven't caught anything. It's not looking good. We're empty. We're bankrupt. We're barren. Now, that's rough. But they could have been in denial. They could have just said, oh, I haven't caught anything yet, but just give us a few more minutes. Oh, no, no, we have not caught anything. You've got to face it. If you're dealing with some problem in your life, some addiction, some relationship problem, some financial problem, you have to deal with it. You have to be honest about it. And he makes them face the truth about their situation. Wow. 
help us, God. So <laughs> Jesus gives him a word of instruction. You complain to him? You talk to him? Guess what he's going to do? He's going to give you a word of instruction. I've mentioned before, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is John chapter 2, verse 5, the wedding feast of Cana. Mary said to the servants, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. <laughs> and so he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And they did. And there's this large catch of fish. Once again, this is incredible. Just think about it. So let's just say, I don't know how big the boat was, right? They had seven guys that were in the boat this time. So they're over here, casting that out. Wait, 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 nothing. Zero, not a, not a thing, right? And he says, well, cast the, cast the net on the other side of the boat. And so they go over here, and, they, and you're thinking, if there's no fish over here, none, not anything, not a bite, not a, nothing, and I'm going to go 18 feet over here, and I'm going to cast the net, and a whole lot of fish, big fish, are going to happen. That makes no sense. But there's a powerful principle here. Your breakthrough might be a whole lot closer than you think. You've worked hard. You've labored hard. You've tried hard. You've worked in that business deal. Nothing's going on. Nothing's happened. You've looked for jobs. Nothing's happening. You, you know, you've worked on the relationship. Nothing's happening. But when he gives you a word of instruction and you follow it, it might only be 18 feet different, but it makes all the difference in the world. One word from Jesus that you obey changes everything. Wow, isn't that something? Large number of fish. So they get out on land. They see a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Okay, now here it gets really even more exciting. So they get out there. Jesus has already cooked the fish. I mean, that's incredible. He didn't need your fish. He really doesn't. He is the creator. How about that? Yeah, he created the fish. He made the fish. He's got his own fish, you know. He likes having you to give him your fish too, but he already had fish. He already had bread. He already had breakfast ready. He's way ahead of you. <laughs> he's prepared a way ahead of you. It says that in Ephesians 2.10. It says, he is prepared. we're his workmanship. He's created us ahead of time for good works. He's already prepared us. He's already prepared the breakfast. That is an amazing thing. But, but here's the deal that you might miss. Peter denied three times that he even knew Jesus. Denied three times that, that he was even one of the disciples. Three times. Where was he when that happened? He was in the courtyard of the high priest around a charcoal fire. And so here Jesus is in his, all his grace and wisdom. He brings Peter back to this charcoal fire. You see, that's mean. He's reminding him of his failure. He's, yeah, kind of, but, but, but he's reminding him of his failure. He's bringing him back because Peter had not been healed of that. He had not been set free from that. He was still carrying that failure kind of thing on him. Yeah, he'd, he'd seen the resurrected Jesus twice. But he had never dealt with his own failure, his own sin, his own denial. He had never dealt with it. And Jesus brings him back to another charcoal fire like, hey, does this remind you of anything, Peter? 
Uh, does this remind you? Well, that seems mean. You know, there's no condemnation, all that kind of stuff. There isn't condemnation, but there is healing. And sometimes we need to go back so we can go forward. How about that? So he brings him to this charcoal fire, brings some of the fish, and there's a net full of fish. I don't want to get too much into this because all the commentators are different, but they counted them. There's 153. Different people have different opinions. Some think, hey, just fishermen count fish, you know. But I've heard that there were believed to be 153 species of fish back in those days, or some people have even said 153 nations in the world. And so they counted the fish, and once again, it like triggers something. Hey, we're supposed to be reaching the nations. We're supposed to be reaching people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, every ethnic group. We're supposed to be reaching, and we haven't really done that yet, but we caught 153 fish. <laughs> once again, He's reminding Peter, I think, of his calling, of his purpose. Has God ever spoken to you about your calling, about your purpose, about your destiny, of your gifts? If not, I encourage you to seek him and find out. But for some of us, yeah, he spoke to us. Yeah, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, yeah, we got some prophetic word or God spoke to us through some scripture, but we need reminded. Peter needed reminded, hey, you know, 153 fish, that's really good, but I've called you to catch men and women as you follow me. Mm, help us a lot. I hope you got that. That's, that's a powerful thing. So, verse 15, when, G when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, again, he doesn't mention Peter. It, it, look, look, look at this. This is, this is cool. So, John wrote this, and he calls him Simon Peter. Peter's kind of like a combination. He's the Simon, and he's Peter. You know, he's the flesh, and he's the spirit, you know. But Jesus doesn't call him Simon Peter. Jesus just calls him Simon, you see? Once again, Simon, Molly Marie, Benjamin, you know, Simon. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Hmm. And again, the commentators are, they differ. Some people think, do you love me more than all these fish in your former life? I think it's more likely that he's saying, yeah, do you love me more than these other guys, these other disciples? You said you did. You know, before the cross and the crucifixion, you said you did. You said you loved me more than any of these people. You thought that, yeah, they'll, they'll deny me and betray you, but not me, Lord. I'm better than them. I'm more spiritual. I'm more committed. Do you love me more than these? Mm, mm, mm. Yes, Lord. <laughs> you know that I love you. And I don't want to get into it too much, but there's two different Greek words. Jesus is talking about agape. That's the word he uses for love. Peter is, is using the word phileo, like, yeah, I'm really fond of you. I really like you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and here's what Jesus said. This is incredible. Feed my lambs. Isn't it something? He takes this guy who had denied him, who had failed. He was actually cussing when he denied him. I mean, he, he, he had lots of stuff going on, Peter did. And he says, you know what? I want you to feed my lambs. You're the one I'm going to pick. And I thought, why did he do that? Why did he pick Peter of all, of all the ones he could have chosen? 
And, and I kind of asked the Lord that. And I felt like the Lord almost like sternly kind of rebuked me. Here's what he said. <laughs> I want to cry saying this because this is so powerful. I, I wanted Peter, the broken, crushed man, to feed my sheep because my sheep are crushed and broken. I hope that sinks in. I've been talking a lot and thinking a lot about the prodigal son story lately. You don't, you don't want the older brother to be your shepherd. And Dave and I have been talking lately. You know, we all have some older brother in us. But I can honestly say that the pastors of Mission Community Church are people that have been broken. Anybody say amen to that, you know? They've gone through some brokenness. They've gone through some crushing. But that's a good thing because the sheep have been crushed too. The sheep have failed too. They've gone through the same things. And so he picks this guy who wouldn't have been qualified just a few weeks earlier, really. He thought he was. He thought, oh, yes, I'm the greatest, you know. He picks this crushed, broken failure of a guy. And he says, I want you. You're, you're exactly the kind of person that I want to feed my sheep. Gosh, that's powerful. Thank God. He, he, he wants to use people who know his grace, not people that just can spout off his loft. Wow. A second time, same thing. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. Wow, isn't that something? Again, he's asking, do you love me? Here's a little insight too. It's impossible to love Jesus if, you don't, if you're not experiencing his love. And I think at this point, one of the things Peter was probably dealing with is, I don't know, does, does he really love me? Because we love because he first loved us. Do you love me, Peter? Oh, yeah, 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 I love you. And then it goes on a third time. Third time's charm. Simon, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Have you ever been grieved? Lord, you don't need to keep reminding me of this. You don't need to keep asking me this question. Does he ask you some question that he just keeps asking and asking? You say, come on, enough already. <laughs> I'm grieved. Quit that. You know, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Oh. Third time. Three times Peter had Denied Jesus around the charcoal fire, and here we are again, the charcoal fire three times. Do you love me, Peter? Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. <clears throat> and this is pretty cool, too, as the chapter begins to end here. When you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what Kind of death, Peter would glorify God. And after this, he said, follow me. Church history says that Peter was in Rome and, and uh, they were going to crucify him. And he said, don't crucify me like, my, like Jesus was crucified. I, I don't deserve that. Crucify me upside down. Wow. You know, so Jesus is saying, hey, you know, you're going to go places you don't want to go. But I have a whole message. I, I'd like to preach on that sometime. God works when we're in places we didn't really want to be. Joseph in the Old Testament, he's in prison. Did he want to be there? No, he didn't want to be there, but he prophesied to the, the, the cupbearer and the baker. How about that? Paul and Silas are beaten in Philippi, thrown in jail. Did they want to be there? I'm sure they had better things to do, but it's around midnight, they're worshiping God. 
the earthquake comes, the jailer is saved. God can work in amazing ways in places where you really didn't want to be. I've been places I didn't want to be. But sometimes those are the places where God used me the very most. Wow. Follow me. And so this, this is a funny part too. So Jesus is bearing down on Peter. I mean, do you love me? Do you love me? And has that ever happened to you where, you know, you're just kind of the, the spotlight of God's word is right on you. And he turns around and he says, oh, what, what about John? <laughs> you know, well, what about him? What are you, what, what you going to do about him? Ah, <laughs> yeah, my friend Dan, we're always talking about, you know, what about the Democrats? You know, what about, you know, we, we, we'll find somebody else, you know, that, that we want to call the attention to. But here's what Jesus is saying. What's that to you? You follow me. And I didn't really realize it till this morning in prayer time. One of the greatest things that is hindering revival in the church today is comparison. Comparison. I want you to be more spiritual. I want you to come up higher. I want you to have more intimacy. And in our mind, it's like, well, I'm closer to you than the Baptists are. I'm closer to you than the Catholics are. I'm closer to you than some other church down the street. You know, what about them? What about this? What about it? And he says, you follow me. There would be revival happening so fast if we just said, Lord, deal with me. Deal with me, not somebody else. You know, sometimes when I, I get, oh, Lord, deal with the American church. And he says, I'll deal with the American church, but first I want to deal with you. How about that? And I maybe said before, you want revival to start? Somebody said, he said, get a piece of chalk, draw a circle around your, your feet, and just say, Lord, revive the man or the woman in this circle. What about you? As for you, follow me. Mm. That's really something. You might be more spiritual than somebody else, but that's kind of, kind of irrelevant, huh? That's kind of, it really doesn't matter. You follow me. Are you following me to the fullest extent of what I want? Mm. Help us, God. Well, Peter had been crushed. This proud, arrogant, I can do it, I'll never fail you. He'd been crushed. But he'd also been restored. God was in the restoring thing. And you know what happened is, just a couple of weeks later, this broken shell, dazed and confused person is used to preach the first sermon at Pentecost where 3,000 people were saved. God had prepared him through the crushing, through the breaking, through all the stuff, through his failures, to be ready to be used by God in a powerful way. I have good news. <laughs> God wants to use you in a powerful way. And whatever trials, tribulations, crushings, siftings, whatever you're going through today, He's got a plan to use you in an amazing way. Thank you, Lord. Well, Joe, let's finish it up here. And uh, Father, thank you, Lord. What about you? You know, are you in the crushing time? Are you in the restoring time? Are you in the time where God is releasing you to minister to others through what you've learned? 2 Corinthians 1, we comfort others with the comfort by which we've been comforted ourselves by God. Isn't that something? Has he comforted you? Has he helped you? Has he got you through things? 
He's going to use you to help others. Thank you, Lord God. Let's just pray. And Father, just search our hearts today, Lord, we ask, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Using Peter as an object lesson, Lord, you want to speak to all of us, Lord God. Are we following you, Lord? Are we who you want us to be? Do we love you, Lord? Are we receiving your love and are we loving you back, Lord? God, help us, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.